We're going to get into the word. Now, one of the things I don't know uh, if I heard, if I did hear this, um, I'm, I'm so sorry to repeat it, uh, but I don't know if, if Tim talked about offering today. So if you do want to give in the offering today, there's a kiosk in the back. There is also a um, drop box uh, that you can give if you want to give your offering or you can do it online or, or Sean, where is Sean? He's in here somewhere. He just walked out. Of course he walked out right when I talk about him. That's good. That's the best way to talk about somebody when their back is turned to you. Sean said, can we get Venmo? And so we've got Venmo, too, just for him. Um, he's, he, he requested it and then hasn't used it yet. So there he is. His hands are up. He's excited. He's excited about Venmo. I'm telling you right now, you're, this is your moment right here, Sean, in front of everyone. Um, all right. So let's get into the Word of God. Today we are going to finish up our series called Relationship Status. Uh, we've talked a lot about love. We've talked about marriage. And, and some of the messages can apply to whether you're married or single. Some of them apply both ways. Um, I feel like last week's me- message on the roles of marriage uh, really typically mostly applies to married people, right? Mostly. Um, today's message is going to be about living single. So it's mostly going to apply to single people. But if you're married today, um, you might want to listen. Because one day, um, if you're married, you may have kids. Uh, those kids may grow up to be single adults, and they're going to need to get married, and, uh, or, or maybe not, and you're going to need to know what to tell them, okay? So today's message is called Living Single, and that's where we're going to go for the next few minutes. There was once this, um, I had this aunt one time, and, and so um, I wasn't always married. There was a time in my life when I was single, and, um, and I had this aunt one time, and, and every time we would go to a wedding, um, if someone in the family got married, we'd go to the wedding, and, uh, and I wasn't getting married, obviously, and I was just watching, and so my aunt would always come up to me, and she'd say, don't worry, your time will come, you know, your time will come, and it was just very patronizing, you know, and I hated it, and then the next wedding would roll around, someone in the church would get married, and you go to the wedding, and the, and, 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 and the old aunt would come up, she'd say, don't worry, don't worry, honey, your time will come, one day, one day, that'll be you up there, don't worry, don't worry, and then the next wedding rolls around, you know, you know, you try to avoid her, right? You try to get away from her, but somehow she finds you. Like you're in the bathroom and you walk out of the bathroom and she's waiting on you. And she's like, Hey, listen, listen, it's okay. I know you're single. Um, I know you're kind of ugly, but you got a good personality. One day, you know, one day your time will come one day. That'll be you up there. And, and so I finally got tired of it. And so we were at a funeral one day. And while we're at the funeral, I found my aunt and I just walked up to her. I put my arm around her. I said, don't worry. Don't worry. Your time will come one day. That'll be you up there. (laughs) She didn't appreciate that, Jim. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm just kidding. That's a lie. I don't have an aunt that I would say that to. But it would be a really great story, right? It would be a really great story. I did, however, I did, however, one time when I was, when I was single, I had a guy that was a mentor to me. And, and so every so often we would go and we'd have lunch and he would talk to me. And uh, I will never forget the advice that he gave me. He said, uh, he said Gabriel, you know, you're, you're not going to get a girl on your looks, and he said, so you're going to have to really work on your personality. And, um, and I was like thinking it was a joke at first, you know, like you're like, oh, yeah. Ha, ha. And, he, and then he was serious. And I was like, man, I am both crushed and maybe encouraged. I don't know. Uh, so so anyways, thankfully, God gave me a woman that's semi blind. Um, but today we're going to talk about being single and, and what does that mean to be single? Um, how many of you have been single before? Has anybody been single all of you should be able to raise your hand, right? We should 
all be, uh, have been single. Uh, some of you are single right now. Um, some of you are looking forward to being single again. No, you should not be looking forward to being single again. Don't raise your hand on that one. Um, so, so being single, here's the thing I want to tell you about being single. And right now I want to talk to those of you that are not currently single. You married people out there. Let, let me teach you something real quick, um, especially in church. Being single is not a sickness. It's a season. Okay, this is for married people because single people know it like single people know they're not sick. It's it's the married people that don't get it because once we get married, we think everybody else has to get married, too. Right. And so we're constantly walking up to people and and we're saying, I'm going to we got to find you a husband. Like we got to find you a woman. But what if they walked up to you and poked you in the belly and said, we got to find you a personal trainer? Like, how would that feel? You know what I mean? Like, what if they walked up to you and just just put their hand on your face and said, we got to find you a good plastic surgeon. You wouldn't like it. You wouldn't like it. If they walked up to you and put their hand on your head and said, boy, a good toupee would do you some good right now. So the thing is, we don't need to go around as married people treating single people like they're somehow lesser because they don't have a ring on their finger. Right. We can't do that. We can't do that. As a matter of fact, uh, we need to point out a couple of things. Number one. Paul, in the Bible, changed the world, the greatest missionary that's ever been known, and he was never married. The guy was single, and he loved being single, never complained about it one time. We're going to get into some of his teachings on on what does it mean to be single. We'll talk about what Paul had to say about it. Daniel. Daniel was an amazing person in the Bible. If you've never read about Daniel before, Daniel was the guy that that was lowered into the lion's den. And the Bible said that all the lion's mouths were shut and he survived a lion's den overnight. Daniel was the guy. He's one of the first people um, in the Bible to have these these, uh, dreams and revelations and visions of the end times. Things that people are seeing come come to fruition. Even today are things Daniel saw. Daniel never had a wife. That's why he was able to do so many great things. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, here's the thing. When you're single, you can have dreams and visions. When you're married, you can't. Every time I try to tell my wife one of my dreams, she shuts me down fast. I'm like, babe, last night I had a dream. So I don't care. She walks away from me. It's not real, you know, but what if it was God? It wasn't, it wasn't. God's not going to give you dreams about hot dogs. Another person that's super important in the Bible was Jesus. Guess what? He never had a wife. You want to look at some people that got really jacked up in the Bible? Look at Solomon. He started off real good. He got him about 300 wives and he went crazy. Absolutely nuts. So you got to understand something today. The Bible, the Bible says this. The Bible talks about marriage as being good. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But the Bible also says some good things about being single. They are both valuable. At the beginning of the church, you got Paul who's single. You got Peter who's married. And they're both leading the charge. Right? They're both reaching their world for Christ. So both are valuable, and we've got to view them both as valuable. We can't view one as greater and one as lesser. We've got to view them both as valuable. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus says, he, he's talking about divorce, 
in remarriage, and he just makes it really difficult. Like, he makes it really hard because all of the, the people in those days, it was half of the group of, uh, of the religious leaders that wanted Jesus to say that you can divorce a woman for whatever you want to divorce her for, and the other half was saying you can only divorce her for adultery, and they wanted to get Jesus entangled into this argument, so he goes through his spill, and we read that a couple of weeks ago. But then at the end of his message on divorce and marriage and all that, verse 10 of Matthew 19 says... Uh, Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. The disciples are like, we shouldn't even get married then. And Peter's in the corner going, oh, you know, um, because he was already married. Verse 11, it says this, not everyone, this is Jesus, not everyone can accept this statement. Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs. Some have been made eunuchs by others. Um, And and if you don't know what a eunuch is, Talk to your mom on the way out. We're not going to explain that one today. Um, But then at the end, he says, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. Jesus says, let me throw out a challenge to you. There are some people in life that make a make a conscious choice to be single because they because of the kingdom of heaven, because they want to make a difference in the world. And, And Jesus says, he says, anyone that can accept it, do it. If you can accept single then do it. Jesus isn't telling you you've got to get married. Jesus isn't telling you that you've got to have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and you've got to always be dating and you've got to always be pursuing. He says, listen, I, I know it's hard. He says, I know it's hard. I get it, man. He says, but if you can't accept it, go for it. I like the fact that Jesus doesn't make anyone feel lesser. As a matter of fact, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7. And if you've got your Bibles today, 1 Corinthians 7 is where we're going to hang out a lot. We're going to be a lot in, in that uh, for the next little bit. But right at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul's talking about relationships. And, and, um, and, and this, is the same, this is the same chapter, although we're not going to get into it, where he says if you're, if you're struggling with, with lust real bad and you can't control yourself, then, then it's better to get married than to burn with lust. Some of you guys have heard that. Some of you guys have quoted that. Like to, you, you've said, look, I've got to get married, right? Like you use that as your excuse. It's not a good excuse to get married. Um, but here's what Paul says in verse 7. But I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Paul relates being single, his singleness, as a gift from God. So we need to understand that. What am I doing right now? I'm just establishing a foundation today that being single is not a curse. Being single is not a sickness. Being single is not a bad thing. Single is a season, and it's a gift that God has given each and every one of us. For some people, the single season lasts a a short time. For some people, it lasts a longer time. But everyone has a single season in their life. And, And whenever you have that season, you cannot look down on yourself and you can't look down on others we got to understand that single uh, is a season, and, it, and it's a good season to have. It's a good season to have. Everybody wants harvest season. Everybody wants harvest season. All the married people in the room, you've had your harvest season. But, but let me tell you something about harvest season. When the, when the crops grow, that's when, that's when some work has to get started. Right. Just because the tree produces fruit doesn't mean it just automatically picks itself and shows up in the in in your pantry. You got to go out there and work it. So so we've been talking to married couples about the harvest season and how you got to work to stay married. But, But let me tell you something about being single. Being single is a season of life of sowing seeds. And that's a working season, too. But it's still fruitful. It's still productive. There's still lots of purpose and destiny in sowing seeds. And so you need to remember that, that that during my single season, there are things that I can be doing. There are things that are important for me. So 1 Corinthians 7, we'll skip down to verse 25. 
And this is what Paul is going to give us. And I want to explain this. This is Paul's wisdom. This isn't God's command. That's important. I like the fact that Paul does that. It makes, very Paul, very, it makes Paul very relatable to me. Because now all of a sudden Paul's saying, listen, I'm not saying that this is a command from God, what I'm about to say, but I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me some wisdom. So here's what he says. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted and I will share it with you. So, okay, Paul, what is your wisdom you want to share with us? Number one, if you're taking notes today, number one piece of wisdom from Paul, don't make marriage an idol. If you're single today, don't make marriage an idol. What do I mean? Let's check out verse 26. I told you we're going to stay here for a while. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 7 says this. Because of the present crisis, I think it's best that you remain as you are. If you have a wife, don't seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, don't seek to get married. But if you do get married, it's not a sin. It's not bad to get married. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. If you're underlining something today, underline that. The time that remains is very short. Paul's telling us we're coming to the end of the movie, right? We're in the final chapters of the book. You need to understand something today. Our time is short. All we got to do now in Paul's day, in Paul's day, he's looking around and he's seeing uh, the emperor Nero uh, hang Christians on poles and set them on fire as torches to light up his parties. Like in Paul's day, he's really seeing the what he feels like is the end times. Today's world, I was just before church today, I was just skimming through the news, uh, some of the news stuff. And one of the things they were talking about how is how Putin is, is talking about nuclear war. Like he's already mentioning that. And if someone that crazy is already talking about it, then you know they're thinking about it. If they're thinking about it, they're already planning it. Like there's, I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm just wanting you to see that the end times are very close. The end times are very close to us. We're closer now than we've ever been. And, and, and we're getting that way. And Paul's trying to help you understand that. He says the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. All right, Gabriel, what in the world is Paul saying to us? Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, A, the world's not going to last long. But B, he's saying, don't get so consumed. Don't get so consumed with seeking relationships and seeking things. And and don't get so consumed with what the world thinks is important. Now, I know that sounds harsh. You're like, man, are you telling me I can't date? Are you telling me I can't get, you know, get married? No, no, no. I'm not telling you that. Notice what Paul says. He says, don't be absorbed. Don't be attached. Don't be consumed. In other words, don't make marriage the idol. Don't make marriage a God to pursue. You already have a God. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one and you'll hate the other. So, so in other words, is it okay for me to get married? Absolutely. Is it okay for me to date? Absolutely. And we'll get into how to do that in just a minute. But don't let it consume you. Don't let it consume you to the point that you miss what God is trying to do. I, I feel like sometimes, um, sometimes whenever we're watching movies uh, as a family, I'm very much a big picture movie watcher, right? 
Like, like when I watch a movie, I don't get bogged down in, um, in the little stuff that happens. Although I, I like to understand the details, I don't get bogged down because I'm trying to see the big picture. I want to know what, what is the whole movie about? But what we do sometimes is whenever we're watching movies, like if I'm watching with certain people, I'm not going to say who I'm watching with, but, but sometimes when I'm watching movies with some people, what it could be someone else, it could be your mom. Um, they always want to ask the specific questions, right? They, they want to know the specific details that don't matter at all. They don't matter at all. Like they're in a car chase scene and they're saying, now what kind of car is that? It doesn't matter what kind of car it is. They're in a car chase scene. It's going to wreck anyway. And, and, and they're going to rob a bank and they were like, how many ones did they get? I wonder how many ones. They, I don't care about the ones. I don't care about those little details that don't matter. Sometimes if we focus on the little bitty details, we miss the big picture. My dad bought some property a, a couple of years ago and, and, and he sent, sold it uh, for, for better property. But, but whenever he bought this property, uh, we had only seen pictures of it really. And so I, I walked out on the property and the first thing that happens when you walk out on the property is there was just garbage everywhere. People had just, you know how, how stupid people are. They throw their trash in, in the woods. If they don't own the woods, they'll throw their trash out there. And those of us who love the woods, we get very angry at people like that, right? Um, people think you carry a weapon in the woods because you want to you protect yourself from snakes, but really you protect yourself from people throwing trash in the woods. And so, so anyway, so there's trash in the woods and all you can see is this trash and everywhere we would walk, there's garbage and garbage. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, if, if, if this is going to be so much work, I, I'm going to have to do so much work to help just clean up trash and we're going to have to do all this stuff. And, and then we kept walking. And as we kept walking, all of a sudden we, we stepped foot in this area and there's a huge waterfall. And I thought, man, this is beautiful. This land is amazing. Had I gotten hung up on the details of the trash at the entrance of the property, I would have missed the whole big picture of the property that had the big waterfall and the pond and all the things. Sometimes we get so hung up on marriage and um, I got to get married. I got to get married. I got I to gotta get stuff. I got to get a house. I got to get a job. I got to get this. All those things are good. I got to get enough in my 401k. All those things are good. I got to get, I, I want to have kids. All those things, that, that, I don't even know why you would do that. I mean, I love kids, but not that much. And, and we get hung up on all these details. We get hung up on all these details and we miss the whole story. If we were to get a Bible out today and I could pull out all the pages that are about relationships, it, it wouldn't be that much. Because there's a bigger story to the Bible about the kingdom of God, about God rescuing man, about Jesus coming back and establishing his throne. There's this big picture that we need to get a hold of today. And today you need to see that, that that marriage can't be my idol. It's got to be part of my story, but it can't be the whole story. And that's what Paul's trying to get across to us. In John chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, Jesus is sitting at a well. And the Samaritan woman, right off the bat, she's Samaritan. She's not supposed to talk to Jews because there was this racial thing going on. And and, and so a Samaritan woman shows up. She shows up in the middle of the day. Most of the women only came out to the wells in groups in the morning and in the evening when it was cool. She shows up middle of the day when it's super hot by herself. What does that tell us? That tells us that she's an outcast. She's an outcast from her own city. Um, And and so she shows up. Jesus is sitting at the well and she starts talking to Jesus about getting water out of the well and all this stuff. And, And Jesus begins to begins to talk to her about water. And here's what he says in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. It's interesting to me that Jesus is talking about water, living water, about about eternal life, and immediately relates it to her relationship with man. Why did he do that? There's a reason. Go call your husband. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. So you're on man number six. What have you uh, what you have said is uh, is quite true. What does it show me? It shows me a couple of things. This outcast woman has been going to men to find fulfillment. She thinks that marriage is going to fulfill her. She thinks marriage is going to make her complete. She thinks marriage is going to give her life. And so she's going from man to man to man to man to man, trying to find somebody that's going to give her some life. She has made marriage into an idol. She's turned marriage into her God. But then she meets Jesus. Then she meets Jesus. And when she meets Jesus, he he begins to talk to her. And here's the thing. She keeps lowering her standards every time. She has lowered her standards so much so that now she's just living with some dude. And there's there's no real relationship there. But she meets Jesus. She meets Jesus and she drinks of the living water. She meets Jesus and she finds purpose and destiny. She meets Jesus and she finds salvation. And verse 39 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says she goes back home to the city and starts telling everybody about Jesus. And it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. It's important for you to understand something. When you're in your single season, when you're in your single season, don't make marriage your priority. Make Jesus your priority. Don't make that. Gabriel, that's easy for you to say. You're married. No, no, no. I get it. I get it. But I've been through a single season. And I remember times when I felt like I always, I, I, I hate this. I, I tell my kids all the time. I said, do not, do not start dating. Do not start dating right now. Like, don't get so involved with one person. I said, because it's just not worth it right now. This, at this season of your life, it's more important for you to have friends. It's more important for you to, to, to have boyfriends and girlfriends in the sense of, I have friends that are boys, I have friends that are girls. And, and one of the reasons I, I talk to them about that kind of stuff is because when I was a kid in our culture, even though I was a Christian and I was you know, at church all the time, in our society, it was always about, you got to have a girl, you got to have a girl, you got to have a girl. And so I would constantly rotate through girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend and heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And it was frustrating to me and it was frustrating to them. And I looked like a jerk. But, but at the end of the day, I, I remember one season of my life just saying, I am sick and tired of dating. And I'm like, I'm going to just take some time off. Like, I've got to stop this cycle in my life of feeling like I've always got to have somebody instead of having the king. And so I had to change my focus. I had to change my focus. And that, that helps us translate to the second point. The second point is this. Don't waste your season of single. You've been given an amazing gift. If you're single today, whether you're a teenager, whether you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s, if you're single again, maybe, maybe you've, you've, you've lost a loved one, maybe you've gone through divorce, don't waste this season that you're in. It's a gift to you. God has given you a gift of a season of single. Don't waste it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 through 35. If you want to be free from the concerns of, I want you to be free. Paul says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man, the Lord's work and thinking of how to please him. Paul says, single dudes, 
They can spend their time working for God and thinking about how they can please God. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. That's all I think about. That's all I think about. It's just constantly just trying to, you know, just trying to fulfill my wife, you know. His interest, I'm going to, I'm about to get to a season of single. I'm preaching this to me today. His interests are, his interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. You need to start thinking about that. And I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. I love that. I love that. Paul's saying, I'm not putting restrictions on you, man. I'm just letting you know, if you're single, you've got more time to devote to God and to his purposes. If you're married, the truth is when you're married, we do have to split our time. Married people have to split their time. Married people don't have as much time to focus on the things that, that God wants to do. Why? Because we've got to consider a spouse. We've got to consider kids. And we've got to consider all these things as opposed to single people. Paul is telling us, he says, leverage the season that you're in. Leverage the season that you're in. Get as much out of it as you can. Because once you're married, your responsibilities are divided. Your, 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 uh, your time is shared. Your budget is, is stretched out once you're divided. I mean, once you're married. But while you're single, you have fewer responsibilities. When you're single, you have more time and less restrictions. I have a friend. Um, well, I'll tell you these other two stories. I, I heard a couple of stories that I thought were really cool. This, this young lady came up to a, a pastor one time and she said, Hey, I want to... Um, I've got this burden for this place in Africa that's a bunch of uh, orphans and they need a house, but, but they need $40,000 to build this house. And, um, and would you get up on stage and ask people to give money so we can raise the $40,000? And the pastor said, you know what, I, I would love to, but no, I, I can't do that. He said, because I get requests like this every week and, and every week I'd be asking everybody for money. And it's just, he said, but I feel like God's given you that burden and, and he didn't give me that burden. He's given me this responsibility. And he said, so I want you to pray and see what God would have you do during this time of, she was single. And he said, during this time, I feel like, see what God would have you to do to help raise that $40,000. And she was very frustrated, obviously, but she left. And, and then um, a, a year later, she, she said, hey, you told me to update you on what was going on. And he said, yeah. And he said, how'd the house, how's the, the money raising go? She said, I got all the money. He said, what? She said, I raised all the money. The house is built. The orphans have a home. There's, there's, there's people living there. It's, everything's good. He said, who raised the money? She said, I raised the money. He said, how did you raise the money? She said, you know what? I've got a lot of time on my hands. So me and my friends um, in between classes and, and after school and different things, we begin to just uh, weave and sew these little bracelets together. And we sold them as a fundraiser. And, and we made $40,000 worth of bracelets and sold them and, and, and built a house for orphans. It's amazing what you can do when you're single. When you have that extra time. Don't waste the time that you have. I, I heard a study today that, that said that um, right now people spend, it's almost 15 hours a week playing video games. 15 hours a week playing video games, Lee. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's amazing. No, I'm just, as soon as I said that, all of a sudden, like all the wives whose husbands play games all looked at their husband. The, the thing is, the thing is, whenever you're single... 
If all you do when you're single is get home and veg out on Netflix or play video games, or, or what are the things that you could be doing with that little bit of extra time that you may have? Think about that. Um, there, was a, there was a guy, uh, I read a story uh, about another guy, and, and, and when the tsunami hit over in wherever it was uh, years ago, um, this, this guy calls his, his buddy. He's like, hey, man, did you see the news? He's like, yeah. He said, um, did you see about the tsunami? He said, yeah, absolutely. He said, I bought my ticket just now. He said, what do you mean you bought your ticket? He said, I already bought my ticket. He said, I bought my ticket. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to help work. I'm going to help um, do some relief work and, and help people out. He said, I filed in the morning. And he said, man, that's amazing. The guy was single. He could do that. He didn't have to ask his wife. He didn't have to, he didn't have to arrange for his kids to have a place to stay. He just bought a ticket and just left. This is where I get to my friend. Um, I have a friend named Lynn. Um, her name is Lynn Caps now, but her name was Lynn Smallwood. And, and so uh, Lynn was uh, in her late 20s, early 30s, I think, some, somewhere in there whenever I met her. I can't remember now. But, um, but I remember Lynn was, was single. And, and Lynn used to always, when my parents would go out of town, she would come over and she'd stay at the house with us and um, just to make sure I didn't get in trouble and I got to school and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, and I remember one summer Lynn finally saying, she was a, she was an ER uh, nurse, and, and so she had a good job, and, and I remember her saying one summer, she said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I'm like, what do you mean you're leaving? She said, I'm, I'm going to go to Guatemala. And I said, for how long? She said, for the summer. I said, for three months? You're going to be gone? She said, yeah, for three months I'm going to be gone. And all of a sudden that started a pattern in her life. Every summer she would leave and go to another country, and she would do missions work, and she would do nursing, and, and every summer she was gone to other countries doing stuff that the rest, the rest of the people just can't do. Like, like, I don't know many married people that could just up and say, I'm going to leave for a summer, right? Like, you can't just leave for a summer, right? Um, if my wife left for a summer, our house would burn down. Like there would be no control at our home. And, and so you can't just leave for a summer. She would just leave for a summer. And then one day, um, one year she said, I'm going to go to California this year and I'm going to work in, in, uh, in a shelter for women that have been battered and abused. And, and I'm going to go work there and I'm going to help these women out. And so she left and went and worked in that shelter. And, and little did she know there was a guy working in the men's side of that shelter and, and they ended up getting connected and they ended up getting married. And now they've got a beautiful daughter and it, it's amazing what God's done in their life. But listen, here's the thing she did. She decided not to waste her single season. She didn't waste it. She said, if I'm going to be single, if I've got extra time and money on my hands, I'm going to do something with it. I'm not going to just sit around and buy more stuff. I'm not going to, and she never had a nice car. She never had a nice house. I think she lived in an apartment. I mean, she just never had all the nice stuff. She didn't waste her money. She spent her money on what was important to her, and that was missions, and that was reaching the lost, and that was going out. And, and, and now that she's married and with a kid, she can't do all that stuff. But in her single season... In her single season, she didn't waste it. She didn't waste it. The, third, the next point is this, and I, I promise you I'm getting close to the end here. Be holy and don't settle for less. I'm going to back up a little bit. 1 Corinthians 7, 34. I'm just going to read the first part of it. But here's what it says. It says, his interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married. And this applies to men too. A woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. Let me tell you guys something, especially you teenagers. Listen to, listen to pastor for a second. Holy means that you are set apart. It means you are different than everybody else. Uh, uh, Paul says in Romans, he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't be like everybody else. You be different. Don't call yourself a Christian and be just like everybody else. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you can't be going out doing the things everybody else is doing. You can't be watching the things everybody else is watching. You can't be talking the way everybody else is talking. You can't be living the way everybody else is living. Holy means I'm set apart. I'm different. Doesn't mean I'm better than you. It just means I'm different. 
right? Think about that. Holy means valuable. Holy means valuable. I, I have value. I have value when I'm holy. Listen, in your season of single, remember, you are valuable. Be holy and don't settle for anything less than that. Don't settle for anything less than that in the people that you're with. You're saying, I want to start dating. That's fine. Date. But don't date people that aren't valuable like you are. Well, I may never find somebody. Okay. But you know what? Never finding somebody is better than settling for someone bad. You settle for the wrong person. You'll pay for it for years. You'll pay for it for years. So here's what the Bible says. Second Timothy. This is so good. Paul knows what he's talking about. When I say this is so good, I'm not talking about me, obviously. I'm talking about Paul. He is a good writer. 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be special, a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Here's the part about dating. You want to hear dating? The first part is about you, how you should live. Here's the dating part. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. What am I looking for in a spouse? I'm looking for somebody that can do those things that is valuable and that calls on the Lord with a pure heart. That's what I'm looking for. Our washing machine was broken. Our dishwasher was broken for like a month. And every time the guy would come out to fix it, it would be something else. And he would say, I got to order that part, which takes like two weeks. It was terrible. I washed so many dishes. My hands were like prunes for three weeks. But here's the thing we did. We said, you know what? We're tired of washing dishes. We're going to buy a bunch of plastic forks and spoons and a bunch of paper bowls and paper plates and, and uh, you know, red Solo cups. And that's, I mean, that's what we lived on. We, we, it was like camping every day. It was so much fun. But, but you know what? When we would get out those, pla- and, and we're kind of cheap, and so we bought like the cheapest paper plates. And when you buy the cheap paper plates, you got to have like three of them, right? Because one of them, as soon as you put your food on, it just folds down. I don't even know why they make them. Right. And so so uh, we would buy. And so I remember I would get out and, and we bought like a stack of a thousand. And, and so I would just peel off as many as I could peel off at one time. And if it was three on there, if it was five on there, if it was two on there, it didn't matter to me. Right. Because it's paper. I'm throwing it in the trash anyway. I could care less how I use it and abuse it. It doesn't matter to me. But if my wife were to ever find her fine china that I've hidden in the house because I don't want to have to display it. If, I, if she ever finds it, here's what's going to happen. We get that stuff out. You can't even put it in the dishwasher or it'll wash all the fineness off of it, apparently. You can't wash it with any old scrubber. Like, you got to literally get down there and, like, lick it clean and put it under, like, some soft water or else you can't clean it. What's happening? That stuff is valuable. We take good care of that stuff. The paper stuff, we just crumple it up and throw it away. I don't care if I use five or six of them. doesn't matter to me because it's paper. Are you fine china today or are you paper? Which one are you? In the house of God, which one are you? Can I tell you how God wants you to be? He wants you to be fine china. That's what he wants you to be. That's how he sees you. But when you see yourself as paper goods, then you will give yourself to anybody and everybody. You will lower every standard. You won't care about what's happening, right? 
You don't care that the other person doesn't pursue God with a pure heart because it doesn't matter to you because you're just paper goods. Don't be paper goods. Be fine china. Matthew 7, 6 says this. Don't wait. This is Jesus. He's even better than Paul. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. It's very important that we don't settle in our dating lives. In your season of single, you be holy. You be a pearl. Don't throw that pearl to pigs. Because not only will they trample it, they don't care about your holiness. They don't care about your faithfulness. They don't care about your love for Jesus. And then they'll turn and attack you for it. We need to get going. There's another story I was going to tell. I'll, I'll get to the next one, though. Here's the last. Uh, yeah, this is probably going to be the last one. This is last-ish. Probably last. If you're single today, here's something else I want you to know. You're not alone. You're not alone. You can be single, but you're not alone. You, you can be by yourself, but you're not alone. God didn't design you to be alone. The first person God made was a single man, Right? And he looked at that single man and said, this, this dude's going to get himself in trouble. But he was a single man. But he wasn't alone. Even before Eve, he wasn't alone. The Bible doesn't tell us how long Adam was single. But the Bible does tell us that Adam enjoyed companionship with the Holy Father. Here's what the Bible says about your being single. And, and let me tell you guys something. I know it's hard probably to listen to a message about being single from a married guy. I get it. I get it. I know. I know I don't understand all the struggles and, and temptations and issues that you may deal with right now. And, and married people, we need to understand something. Single people face, we're making fun, like marriage is bad. Marriage is not bad. Marriage is wonderful. Um, but there are, there are issues in, in marriage that we deal with. But listen, there's issues in being single that they deal with too. Like if you're single, there's, there's problems that you have to deal with. There's situations you have to deal with. And, and it, it, is very, it is very hard. Sometimes whenever you're single, every battle feels like a solo mission right? Every battle feels like a solo mission, like you're just by yourself trying to, trying to gun it out. And here's what the Bible says, a couple of things about you not being alone. Number one, the Bible says that God has provided you a family of believers. Use them. Use them. Romans twelve five. so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It doesn't say that single people belong to the single people and the married people belong to the married people. It says we all belong to each other. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Listen, our, it, there are people out there right now that are suffering, that are hurting. You've got to be willing to use the body of Christ. Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I'll never forget this. This uh, lady one time was in, in a church where I was on staff and she was mean, man. She was mean as a snake. She was, um, there, I, I honestly, I don't think she was a Christian. I mean, she may have been, but um, she was the meanest person I've ever met in my life. And, um, and so obviously that drew me to go talk to her every Sunday morning. I just wanted to see, you know, there's no way you can be mean that many weeks in a row. She was, she was good at it. She was a pro mean person. And so I, I remember one Sunday, uh, she hadn't been there in a couple of weeks. And, um, and I was like, man, you know, what happened to her? Um, and so I walked up, she showed up again. I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, I hadn't seen you a couple of weeks. We, um, I probably lied. I was like, we've been missing you. Um, but actually church was so much better. And so I was like, Hey, where have you been the last couple of weeks? And she said, I was in the hospital and you didn't come visit me. And I said, Oh man, I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. Who did you tell that you were in the hospital? Did, did you call the office? Because the receptionist never told me that you called. I didn't have a voicemail on my phone or an email or a text message. I had no, no communication with you to know you were in the hospital. You should have known I was in the hospital. And I'm like, I, I mean, I try to be close to God, but even God didn't care apparently because he didn't tell me. You know, like sometimes what we do is we're hurting and we're broken and we don't lean on the people that can help us. Well, they'll know, I, they'll know I'm hurting. No, they don't know you're hurting. Don't be, don't be alone. Don't fight a solo battle. If you're hurting today, find somebody that, that loves you and cares for you and can help you walk through those issues. The fact is that God will never leave you either. Not only has he given you a family, but he's given you himself. John 8, chapter 20, uh, John 8, verse 29. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus was, Jesus was single, and there was plenty of times in his, in his season of single that he was by himself. And people would get concerned about him, and he would say, don't worry about me. I got God. The Father is always with me. He never leaves me. John 16, 32, Jesus says this, But the time is coming, and indeed is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He says, you guys are all going to, all you guys that are my friends, you're all going to leave me. I'm going to be all by myself. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Psalm 38, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So Gabriel, what do I do? What's the final thought, final end of the chapter here? What do I do in my season of single? If you boiled it all down to, to one thing I could tell you to do, that is seek him. Seek him. Matthew 6, 33 popular verse. We see it all over the place. It's hard to live. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above marriage. Seek the kingdom of God above kids. Seek the kingdom of God uh, above dating. Seek the kingdom of God above the nice house and the 401k. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, be holy, and he will give you everything that you need. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. You want to feel fulfilled in life. I would encourage you, be fulfilled before you ever get married. Don't think marriage is going to fulfill you. One of the things that drew me to Perry more than anything else was that she had a relationship with Jesus way before she met me. And her relationship with Jesus fulfilled her and I, didn't ever, I never felt like I had to fulfill that part of her life. I never felt like she was needing a man. She didn't. Lots of guys tried to date her, and Perry wouldn't date any of them. She was like, I know Gabriel's the man for me. <laughs> man, I was so attracted to that. I was so attracted to the fact that here's this woman that is completely fulfilled in Christ and doesn't need a man to make her happy. She doesn't need a man to pursue her dreams and her destiny. God's got a plan for her life. If I get to be a part of it, that's awesome. But if I don't get to be a part of it, she's still going to do what God's called her to do. That's the kind of person you want to look for is the kind of person that lives out Matthew, uh, Psalm 16, uh, 11. The last one is this. I promise I'll, I'll shut up. Psalm 37, 4. This is a good one. Have you ever heard the verse, God will give you the desires of your heart? Who's heard that verse? None of y'all? All right. 
People put it on t-shirts and coffee mugs all the time. Let, let me te- When I say, and I put my hand up, that means you're supposed to raise your hand. I didn't know if you knew that. Who's heard the verse, God will give you the desires of your heart? Man, you guys are so good. We put it on coffee mugs, we forget the first part of that verse, right? The first part of that verse says this, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight yourself means this. It, it means to be soft and pliable. In other words, easy to obey, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. The, the word delight yourself in the Lord means this. Uh, different writers, I, I looked up different commentaries. Here's some of the things that they mentioned. They said, expect all your happiness from him and seek it in him. It means to a deliberate redirection of one's emotions. And the example they give is Paul and Silas in prison, in the bottom of the prison, and they begin to worship God even in their darkest hour. Another writer said this, it says, we cannot delight ourselves, uh, delight in the Lord without effort. It means to detach from our earthly desire and fixing it on him. Why don't you stand up with me this morning? I want to pray for you today and then we're going to let you go. But here's what I want to pray. Anna saying earlier about the dry bones, and she shared that verse with you. It was so good. Um, so good. Great job, Anna. Um, and and as, she was, as she was talking about that and singing about it, here's what hit me, and maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart about you today, that I feel like there may be some people in the room, and, and this is, I'm going to say it to singles, but it may, be, it, it may apply to, to married people as well. Um, but here's what I feel like that God was saying, that there's some of you that in your season of single, whether this is not your first season, maybe this is your second season of single, um, here's what I feel like God was saying, is that some of you feel like your purpose and your destiny is like those dead, dry bones. Some of you feel like, I've just, I've just let my purpose die with my relationships. And some of you may feel like, I've never been married, I'm never going to get married, and I'm just so hopeless. And, 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 and your future looks like dead, dry bones. And here's what I feel like God was saying to me this morning, and, and it was this. It was that He wants to revive the dry bones, let me just read it how I wrote it, of your purpose, of your pursuit of Him, and of your passion for His will and His Word. He wants to revive the dead, dry bones in your life. That, that, that you've, been, you've been, you know, looking at and, and, and mourning over. And you've been so sad over the death of that relationship. Or you've been so sad that there's never been the birth of a new relationship. And you've mourned over those dead, dry bones. And God says, I can revive some dead, dry bones in your life. But I'm not going to just revive a relationship. I'm going to revive your purpose. I'm going to revive your holiness. I'm going to revive your passion to pursue me and go after me and love my word and and pursue my kingdom and reach the lost. That's what I want to revive in you. And once that part of you is revived, right, once we delight ourselves in the Lord and we're pliable in his hands, then he will give us the desires of our heart. Whether that desire is marriage or whether that desire is to just live a fulfilled single life, whatever the desire is that God puts in your life, He will fulfill it. 
So let's close our eyes right now and let's begin to pray. And, and, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray. Say, God, just, just revive the dead dry bones. You know what they are. I don't know what they are. But I just pray that you just begin to pray that he would revive those today. Pray today that he would revive the, the, the pursuit of him. Pray that he would revive your purpose and your destiny. Pray today that he would revive today a passion for his word and a passion to know him. Maybe you're not serving him today and today's your day, man. Today's your day to give him your life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you've never really served him. Today's your day. Here's what I want you to do. You begin to call out to him. You begin to pray to him. You begin to tell him, Jesus, I'm broken and I'm lost without you. I need you in my life. I need you to lead me and guide me every step of the way. I need to give my life over to you. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of all that I've done, all of my selfish pursuits. I, re- I repent today of my lustful desire. And today I turn to you because only you can fulfill me. Only you can save me. I could have you repeat a prayer with me, but I would rather you pray to him. As you're praying today, I want to pray over you. God, right now, I just pray over dead, dry bones. I pray over dead, dry bones. If that's you today, if you got some dry bones in your life, just lift up your hands today. Begin to show him. Begin to show him today that, God, I need you today. Begin to surrender to him today. When we raise our hands, it's a sign of sacrifice. It's saying, I'm surrendering, God. I've held on to these dry bones for too long. I've tried to revival myself, and it hadn't worked. And so, God, today, I'm leaning on you. I'm surrendering to you that you're going to revive this stuff. Maybe I've tried to pursue a marriage. I've tried to pursue relationship as an idol. And today I'm surrendering that to you. I'm giving you my life. I want to, I don't want to waste this season of single. And so today I'm praying. So God, I pray for every, every life in this room. I'm praying for every hand in this room. I'm praying for every person in this room today. God, they may be brokenhearted. They may be hurt today. They they may be discouraged today, but I pray today that you revive some dead dry bones in their life. You revive some purpose and passion today. God, I pray today that you would, you would revive their souls today. God, not just to be alive, God, but to be an army. Your word says that you raised up those dead, dry bones and you breathed the breath of life into them. You put your spirit into them so that they could be an army, so they could have purpose, they could have destiny. And God, I pray for the people in this room right now. I pray for those that are watching online today, God, that they would have purpose and destiny revived in their hearts and their lives. God, that single is not a sickness, it's a season. And it's a gift from God. And so, God, I pray that as we walk through single seasons, God, that we wouldn't waste them. We would use them for your glory. We would reach the lost. We would be a blessing to the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.